Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Tribe Podcast with Jordan and Steve. How are you doing, brother? Doing good, man. A little sore. Been uh, getting out in the water a little bit. A little exercise, having ups and downs, but overall good, man. How about you? Um, uh, see, okay, let me reciprocate with a similar level of candor here. Um, <laughs> had a so-so night of sleep. Uh, so my personal habits, including exercise, have been weak as of late. So I definitely need to um, revisit and reboot that professionally. Things are popping, doing a ton of hiring right now. Family-wise, just came off the holidays. I got some birthdays we're still going through, which is a ton of fun. And um, overall, life is good, man. I can't can't complain. My energy today is, I'd say, at about a, a eight. Eight. Okay. Yeah, that's that's good. I remember one time a while back you mentioned Gestalt. Um, do you remember where did you learn that about that from? Uh, in the process of forming a mastermind, I learned about it because that's an EO practice. Yeah, EO. So I joined EO and I've been like a couple months in. And uh, tell me more. I, it's on my it's on my list. I've been hesitating because of COVID. So I'm curious about your timing. Yeah, dude. So it's been really good. It, it's only been about three months. And so the Gestalt method is so hard at first it's like feels so weird but I believe in it like I totally believe in it um but essentially for those who don't know it's like it's like okay you share they have these like deep dives and so you share like something and something else I really like about EO we can get more into it but uh they do the top five and the bottom five percent so what we just did there where I told you what was, that's like the 95, 90% of bullshit that everyone tells each, everyone, you know what I mean? Oh, it's good. You know, I'm a little sore, like a birthday, you know, but, and that's great because that's generally acceptable. That's what people are looking for, <laughs> but you get with some, some guys or some girls or both or whatever in a group and you have a, you know, confidentiality understanding or whatever, and you're able to share the, the top five and the bottom five, like the top five is like, an example, you know, let's just totally like random. We, we hit 5 million this, like last year, like that would be like a business top five, just random example. Um, not personally, but just pulling that number. You can't really tell people that, you know? So that's kind of like a top five or like a bottom five. I'm having trouble with intimacy with my wife right now. You know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. um, and it's really interesting. And then, so after you, you like kind of go through this deep dive and then instead of giving advice, you're not allowed to give any advice. <laughs> it's really weird. You, you can share, you can, you can only give a personal experience share. And sometimes if you have a couple of different ones, you, you go, Hey, like, would you like to hear about a time when I actually went through that? Or would you like to hear about this? You know, I mean, like they can pick. And, and so it's a really interesting, but um I believe in it. I think it's it's a really interesting way to handle things. So, what, what, like, what's the vibe? Give me like a reference point because we've done coach together, done some other stuff. Like, how would you contrast what the vibe of like the member kind of interaction relationship is like by contrast? 
Yeah. So I've snagged a couple good relationships, maybe two, three, four out of coach over three, four years that I still kind of keep in touch with people like I didn't already know. Yeah. And those were great. Three months into EO, I've already got four guys that I like feel like I've known for a long time. You know what I mean? Like you go deep pretty quick because it's kind of like you're, you get pretty vulnerable. And um, so there's that. I, I also joined, I, I just wanted to try it. You know, it's been on my radar and people I respected have been telling me to try it. And so it's got some um, pros and cons. Like initially when you go in, you kind of got to like, it's called like a carry your bag organization, your own bag organization. So you got to like find a group. You got to like put yourself out there. You got to like, you know, interview. So it's not like a facilitator like makes everything happen for you. But um, I found a good group of guys and so far it's been, it's been good. It's um, especially during COVID, like, we, like we did a bonfire a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, it was just like, just to get out of the house and like <laughs> hang out with people, <laughs> stay socially distant. You can get creative. Nice. Good, man. Well, that's, that's great. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear that it sounds like COVID really hasn't been that much of a, an impediment in terms of you. Have, have most of the interactions been through Zoom or in person? In person. Yeah. Great. In person. Yeah. Yeah. My, my one liner for it would be if you like meeting new people and you like kind of getting out and you kind of want to like, you know, it's, it's a big part of it is like social. I, I, from what I can tell too, it's like a big social thing, but that's actually really appealing to me. The fact that you can go to Costa Rica, look up EO members in Costa Rica and it's like a brother or sisterhood. Like they're like, Oh yeah, I'll show oh. you around, you know? Dope. So that's kind of, that's kind of dope. Right. Yeah. So, I like it. Cool. So yeah, man. But, um, but yeah, 5% highs and lows. Um, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I appreciate when people share something like that is really vulnerable. It like gives me energy, right? Isn't it so nice when someone actually says something or you're like, whoa, I don't know. If, I didn't have the courage to say that. <laughs> but like now I respect <laughs> you. And now, I, now I feel better. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think me and you like in particular get off on that. But yeah, for sure. People respond to vulnerability. I'll never forget being in a, some interaction with a guy I got some coaching from and him making the comment that, what you want in other people is what you need to manifest in yourself, whether that be friendliness, kindness, forgiveness, like you can facilitate that in someone else. The, to the degree that you want to facilitate in someone else, the lever that you have is to like show up that way. Yeah. It kind of blew my mind. It was like, huh, like, no, I don't, I don't think so. Like, I just want, I just want them to not be an asshole. You know, like I didn't necessarily <laughs> yeah. want to change how I'm being. I just wanted them to do that. It was like, good, good check and reset on that. Yeah. So reading that back to you, you're essentially saying that if I, if I'm looking for a, an attitude or a, or a way of reacting in another person, I just need to exhibit more of that myself. Yeah. I like that. It's related to like projection, right? Like when we're like, when I'm amped up about someone else behaving some kind of way, the question, how am I doing that? How am I creating that? And this, this is some of the work, right? Some of the stuff yeah. that work. Yeah. It's similar. Similar. Yeah. Like whatever you react to in another person is in, in you. And uh, 
So that's something I fall back on a little bit is when there's a situation that I'm just really reacting to heavy, like it, it has as much energy as I choose to give it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, like, especially if it's a coworker or something, you could just be like, Oh yeah, he said that again. Yeah. I don't think we're going to do that. But uh, moving on, <laughs> you know what I mean? like, <laughs> like it doesn't have to be this big drama. I know, dude, like that, that question, <laughs> that's what great people in my life ask me. Like I'll tell them and like when I'm done with the bitch fest and the huffing and puffing, like, so why do you think that hook you? Like, why does that have a hook in you? You know, it's like, oh yeah, yeah. okay. It's like, it's not the, the thing itself doesn't in, implicitly have any control over me. Like there was something about it that like hooked me like, what was it you know yeah yeah it's interesting what's up with that uh coaching stuff you used to do have you dove into back into that at all i still keep up with dan i talk with him <clears throat> on a less frequent basis now but i'm just doing some re-engaging bringing him to some companies i just used him the other day man in a perfect setting this is how i love to to work with him when there's a really highly charged emotional situation I love to just like come straight in the room with the other party and him as a mediator and to just go like straight for the jugular to say like the most candid amped up thing I can to the other, to the other person, not in like a, not in an abusive, not in a mean way, but just to be super direct and then to get a response. And then like, once we're in it, like that's part of what I, what I find I need to get the full catharsis is to know that the other person that I'm in conflict with him is like being vulnerable. And sometimes it takes a reaction for me to be confident that we're actually being vulnerable, even if it's, it's messy or it's louder um, and more tangled than I would like. And once I'm in that state, I find working with someone like Dan, the guy I've worked with has been really, really helpful to help unpack and to create some boundaries and to get past like the surface level commentary to what's really at the root so i just had some of that interaction the other day with one of my business partners and um and dan and it was great it was exactly what i was i was looking for nice nice yeah i remember remember when we early on tribe we would ask the question like what are you tolerating i think it was the question mm -hmm. um how have you evolved in that? Do you think you've improved personally about like noticing situations and kind of hitting them head on? I feel like I've seen some, some growth with, with you in that. Yeah, that's a great question. I definitely think so. I'm way more aware than I was in the past. I still cave on things. And I just, I keep coming back to like Dan Sullivan's procrastination model. I don't know about you, but I feel like I always have something I'm procrastinating on, even though I'm getting better about getting out of the way of the things I really don't want to do. As I'm evolving and taking on more responsibilities, there's always something there. So I signed up for something, I'm not going to say what it was, but I signed up to do something for someone about a month ago. And at the time, I like totally rationalized. I was like, don't really want to do this, but it's going to be good for them. Like it's good for business. And now I'm being, now I'm being expected to actually do what I signed up for, like big surprise. And I'm just absolutely dragging my feet on it. And I was the one that said, yes, like I should have said no then. So do I have it fully mastered? No, but I'm definitely getting better on the front side of just like 
listening to my gut feeling of do I actually want to do this now? And am I actually going to want to do it then? Is this, does this give me life? Does this light me up? Or is this like essentially a means to an end? My awareness has gone up. My ability to resist has gone up, but I've definitely still find myself entangled in situations. Yeah. How about you? A, re a recent situation that came up for me with that was, uh, well, I won't say what it was, but essentially I just took a couple breaths and I'm like, well, what does this moment have to teach me? Like, what is this? Um, what can I, let me, like my initial reaction is to be past future with the waste of time. I don't like doing this. Like, all right, well, what is this like? What can I learn from this? And yeah, I can get out of it. I can decide today or tomorrow or a week from now that I don't want to be in it. But um, man, every, uh, every situation has unfathomable depth. And uh, some, the reason, one of the things that comes to mind with that, we've never really wrapped on like, not to totally kind of like take a right turn, but ayahuasca and like DMT and stuff. Dude, I've thought about you many times. I feel like I feel like I brought it up one time and the reaction, like it just wasn't a fit for you, like like background, you know, kind of where you're coming from. Haven't brought it up, but I'd love to re-rip on that. Like if you're if you if yeah. your thinking has has gone gone around that deeper than just like not for me. Yeah, I mean I just yeah, I just I don't know. I hadn't I'd messed around back in the day with yeah, 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 yeah. you know, I was like yeah. whatever. I'm not but uh but speaking to someone about it recently who's done it, he said that um, it's like 10 minutes is like 10 days. And like, it's like in unfathomable depth. And, he, and what that reminds me of is just like each situation or each like moment is just like, it's so deep. And um, that's what, the, you know, sometimes on, hallucinogenics or something it's like there's a tree and you like notice how alive the tree is it's just like there's all this beauty around us but we're so caught up in past and future but like maybe that's like what heaven is is just like when you're just so deep in the in the moment that it just like time bends mm. who was it that said that all of man's problems stem from man's inability to sit in a room alone with his own thoughts <laughs> you ever heard that <laughs> <laughs> sounds like Einstein or something <laughs> or Thoreau or something maybe, but, but it's like related. So you called it heaven, but I feel like for most of us, myself included, oftentimes it's like hell to just have to like sit and uh, to process and deal with the weight of a potential existential crisis up until it opens up into something more beautiful. There can actually be a lot of weight in that before it becomes something more. Yeah. So I, I want to live deeply in, in the moment, like, that's my, that's kind of my, my current post-it note is, you know, I, I want to live my life deeply and it's hard. And Thich Nhat Hutt, um, that Buddhist guy, I'm reading a book of his really good, but um, he's like, it's hard because we've been running for centuries. Like we don't know how to like slow down, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just been natural. And so I wonder how much of it is, all right, so you make a decision. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be more, everyone has that goal, but how much effort do we really put into it? It's like, there's so much conditioning against it that, yeah. so it, it just got me thinking like, okay, well, if that's really a goal, like, what am I doing around that? Like, 
when I like my my wife watch, likes to watch the Today Show in the morning, and when I just like see the Today Show for like eight minutes, it like <laughs> it, it like fills my brain with just I don't know. So, but then on the flip side too, I also don't want to go through life where I always have to like avoid things. So yeah, like yeah, I try yeah, to yeah. just like be with be with stuff. But I feel like at least initially, um, like limiting phone, limiting like tv and it's all the stuff we always you know mention but um i don't know where i'm at right now is trying to make some conscious decisions around the inputs so that i can be more in the moment mm, what a ongoing battle i think i've shared before the weight and guilt that i've felt around relearning the same things like i learned something and then i forget it and i act out of a place of forgetfulness and then I remember I've already relearned that. And it's like, oh my God, I've already learned this. Like, this is excruciating. I feel like this is the same thing. Like, how many times have we talked about social and the phone <clears throat> and all this stuff? And maybe I am missing out on true and permanent enlightenment. I'm sure there's a lot of truth in that. But I think there's also an aspect where it's like, it's just an ongoing process where you have to keep coming back to things the best ideas the best truths and the worst ideas and the worst truths are things that we wrestle with over and over again it's like you know it's like a wave right yeah in and out of greater and lesser clarity yeah yeah it's definitely not worth beating yourself up over and um you know a stressful thought is is just you're sucked into an illusion of the past and the future <laughs> it's like it's uh it's a trip, but I don't know. I feel like in business, especially there's a big opportunity there. Um, I agree. You know, leading from the heart, man. So here are the things that keep me present. I had a, uh, a two day, no, one, not a two day. I had an annual kickoff event for one of my companies a week ago. <clears throat> and I was feeling behind. I was feeling not fully prepped. Needed to have, you know, more graphs, more charts, more vision, right? I'm going to blow away with my vision. And then I talked to um, somebody in my life that really grounds me and keeps me centered. And after that conversation, I was like, oh, wait, like all I have to do here is to speak from the heart. And so that's what I, I did. I talked about what I'm afraid of, my shortcomings, my limitations, my concerns, my hopes, my aspirations. And I think, and I hope it landed with people. Um, but what more do we have than that? Like when I'm selling, part of me, part of me is, that's the thing, like I'm so conflicted. Part of me is turned on by selling, you know? <laughs> just like going for the kill, the jugular, you know? Getting the check, but the other part of me, is just like share from the heart presence myself and to participate in somebody else's truest essence when they're open, honest, wrong, vulnerable. That is so satisfying and rewarding and so hard to recreate with any other kind of intention to manipulate or to make a point or razzle dazzle. Um, that's something that draws me back. And so even with my kids, when I feel like I'm in that moment where I'm like face to face and I'm right there with them, the minimum for me is to just try to try to lean in and to like not break that because I've got some task I've got to go do. Like when I'm experiencing yeah. it, just like stay with it for as long as I can force myself to do so. So this event was a, it was like a sales event, not a company facing 
No, it was internal. It was an internal event for the team. And so we had everybody, you know, 12 people on a call for two hours. Awesome. Awesome. And your talk went well. Yeah, it was well received. I got good feedback afterwards. I mean, you never know fully what people are are thinking, but I hope that as I share, other people will share and collectively it puts us in a better position to actually solve real problems. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. That's, um, it's like authenticities in, uh, in short supply sometimes, but, um, I think there's this book I'm reading called, uh, Primal Leadership and it's actually really good. It talks about how just like tending to people's emotions, like in your team and being emotionally vulnerable, um, and having like a high emotional intelligence is actually like one of the top leadership traits. And it, I, it resonated with me because I feel like that's something I'm really good at, at least with my team. And it's something that's just like natural to me. So I don't like see it as a superpower, but like it's close to my unique ability. And I think that's kind of where I went off the rails a little bit a couple of years ago was I became so detached from my company that I was like, not able to serve that up, you know? And I think that's something you serve up really well to your company and uh, that I see. And I think it's, it's super important. Um, it reminds me of Stanley McChrystal's book, I think, where he's talking about like, at a certain point, you just become more of like a gardener. You're just like tending the garden of like your, mm-hmm. your like team and like the, you're managing emotional, like emotional, mm-hmm. you're managing emotions mm-hmm. in a team. That's yeah. all you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I feel like this is related to a little bit of the, there was an internal thread with some a profit coach mastermind where we were talking about comp. And I feel like, like, see if you follow the thread here. That was about comp and you kind of brought in the A player, a player concept, container store concept, pay people a great wage. That in theory is kind of related to the idea of when you have a bunch of really smart, capable people that are working within the, the zone of their unique ability then you can act as the gardener as opposed to like the, the genius with the thousand helpers as Jim Collins put it. Yeah. I wanted to follow up on that question because that idea is really attractive to me. <clears throat> but do you agree with the idea that that requires a certain level of standards enforcement? And if all you have is that aspiration without the organizational will to eject and expel mediocrity from the organization, if you lack that half, then you basically are at risk of potentially just of overpaying a B plus level team. Fair? Yeah, a hundred percent. You have to have that courage to cut people when it's the right time and, you know, expel people, like you say, from the organization. I think it becomes self-policing when you get, that's what Steve Jobs says in that famous, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, people recognize. And so when you get a players, they recognize, you know, B, ta- B players and kind of like self filters themselves out, but yeah, hundred percent. And I struggle with it too. Like, um, there's someone on the team that isn't quite like there as far as a player, but, um, has a lot of the soft skills, like, like the emotional skills and like has the drive and like has, taking some projects so like we're monitoring monitoring that really closely and like letting them know like hey this is 
you know, something we need to see improvement on, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'm also careful not to like pull the trigger too quick because it's like a newer mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I feel like sometimes you can, you can do a knee jerk when someone's not fully developed yet. Yes, it's true. That's always the question though of like, what is fully developed? Are we talking about a, a 90 day plan where it's like pass fail? I talked to, I heard somebody say the other day that it's not going to get better after the first 90 days, like whatever it is, whatever you get yeah. in the first 90 days. And that feels like a really, that feels like a totally fair, probabilistic hedging kind of assessment. <clears throat> Are you that hard nosed about it? Or like based on what you just said, we flex longer. Yeah, no. Cause I feel like there's also could be a different seat, you know, like maybe it's the wrong seat. Like if it, it's really hard to, it's like when someone has the core values, like shares the core values and is everything else you want, but maybe they're just not quite as fast at some stuff or not quite as effective on some things and kind of like needs to learn some of that stuff. Um, I feel like it's worth it to hang in there because that first part of the puzzle is actually really hard to find. Mm-hmm. So you can get someone with this talent and the skills, but if they're not a good culture fit, it's, it, it's more challenging that way. So no, I'm not as hard nosed. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm doing so much hiring right now, man. I feel like I'm just being like aggressively thrown into the deep end with hiring and it's, uh, it's been a trip. What part are you playing in the whole, whole hiring process? So playing the, the vision component, first and foremost, where are we headed? What is the, the big thing we're going after? And what are the human capital requirements in order to make that happen? Um, what is, who do we need to become individually for those people that are already here? Kind of mapping out that at a high level and then organizational structure, which then comes down to roles, timelines, comp models, making sure that the comp models are, are accurately market set, um, defining kind of like the ladder of like in any given role, there's gonna be a, a, B, C, D, E, there's like a staircase of that defines the career path, which a, with a pay rate at each level, <clears throat> defining that, generating the uh, job description, the offer letter, the scorecard, um, and the 90 day plan, if they're my direct report, otherwise reviewing somebody else doing that work. And then, and that's all like the pre-work. That's all the mm-hmm. pre-work. And then it's like, turn on the ads. And I really choked when it came to, I, I have choked a bit when it's come to the actual like straight up hiring for three roles off of Indeed and LinkedIn. And now this like invariably looks like a thousand emails over a four week period. like. Wow, that is that is not what I would define as like personally enjoyable. <laughs> so that part's been that part has been heavier, um, and it's been a tension of like, okay, I need some help. Do I lean in with this method and get more admin help, or do I stay in network? And I've kind of managed to like skirt my way around having to aggressively go down that path and been creative around finding in network hires, which I'm really, really grateful for, but I don't long-term feel like that that is a a free pass to avoid wading back into Indeed and LinkedIn hell. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, if I, if someone has a good interview, it's like a bad sign 
for me generally. Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like if I look back at my best people, I didn't like want to hire them like off the first interview. Like I didn't like, wow. I didn't like them. Interesting. I was wondering if that was the same for everybody. <laughs> I have not had that experience. No. I mean like, so, so it was, so how did they advance then? It was like just good enough for you to pass it to somebody else on the team or what? So like, for instance, just one of my like key people, probably like best acquisition, like the Tom Brady in the sixth round, like best, like, I was like, no, like, like the first year, like the only reason she even made it was because I uh, asked someone else in my office. I'm like, what do you think about this person? She's like, oh, I really like her. Like women have good intuition. She's like, oh, I really like her. I'm like, really? I'm like, huh? I'm like, I don't know. It's just. It's weird. Now I can think of one so far that I liked at the first interview and it seems to be working out, but it's still fairly new, but like the people that track record, like been here a while and like have definitely paid off. Didn't not happy at the first interview. So what fun, what function are you serving? If they're my direct report, I'm doing the whole thing. If they're not my direct report, I do an initial screening interview 30 to 45 minutes it's fairly informal. Yes, I'm bastardizing like the who process, but the rest of it is is tight and by the book from there on out. What is your, so, so for me, informal is like background, vibe, like whatever they're interested in, whatever I can hook them on to talk about where I see that they get lit up. I want to lean into that. Like how much skill acquisition do they have? How well can they communicate? Um, it's much, it's almost like, kind of like a borderline like podcast. Like I just follow personal interest to my own personal satisfaction, pretty free form. What is your, where, where do you jump in and what does your conversation look like? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I kind of like gave the reins to where, unless it was like a direct report, like you said, I wasn't even involved but I didn't like that. And then we hit some tumultuous times where kind of everyone was busy. And so the last like three people we hired last year, I was pretty involved in the process. Like I was like double checking the job description, like, okay, yeah, that looks good. Um, being at the first round of interviews and uh, I, I do group interviews, which, you know, are so so much better because if you stick me in the room by myself or with one other person, it's like my judgment's not good. I have all these preconceived notions of like who people are like, Oh, you know, this person wouldn't do well, but look at, you know, the way they look, it's just like nonsense. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, I, I feel like uh, it's just such a big decision that I, I want to be involved at some point. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. I, I guess like, I'm not clear on how the group interview goes for you. I feel like to my detriment, I can have such a dominating presence that a group interview is basically like me, like talking the majority of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how do you like, how did you like balance the energy when the group interview? So the first one is just, I, I just kind of wing it. I got some questions. I tell the people that are in there with me to come with some questions and I go, all right, who wants to go first? Let them ask a question. It's kind of just free form. But you know what my dream sexy hire someday, if I ever get, I don't know if I'll ever get there, but 
is uh, it's not a, it's not like a CMO, like or a chief marketing officer it, or a CEO. It's a HR. If I had like a head of HR, like that would be so dope. Like a not an old school HR, but like a yeah. like someone that actually like was better at developing people and reading people and like knew what type of people we needed. Like a chief heart officer. Yeah. Yeah, like someone that could handle all the people shit <laughs> that's just like way better at it than me and just like got tons of energy because, uh, yeah, that would be, uh, that's really interesting when you don't need to worry about like, okay, how am I going to get these like these people on the bus? Oh, true. Yeah, very true. I've been contemplating that higher and I'm right on the the fence with it right now. I'm talking to myself in and out of it. I talked to, I was like dead set on it. And I talked to some people in that role. And then I talked to some recruiters and they like totally like back me off of that. They're like, oh no, there wouldn't be enough for them to do. Like, you know, the company is not big enough, et cetera. So I'm, I'm battling with it right now. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to talk to someone at relatively your size to see if if someone's like how their experience has been, because it's one of those bigger leaps, but man. It is. It, well, there's a fractional thing. I don't want to cut you off, but I wanted to ask you, because like you recommended that HR consultant to me. Was that like in any way analogous or was that, was that one more of like the compliance, like the heavy HR sort of stuff? That was more compliance, heavy HR stuff, but they do recruiting. They do uh, like comp analysis. So there's a lot of, strings you can pull on that i'm i haven't yet but you know i'm gonna lean into those when the time's time comes because they kind of came after i'd made made some hires so they're just so well versed in hr and there's so much there that um anytime i run into something it's like i bounce it off them and see if they can offer that yeah right on yeah we'll see where did you you read who not how totally what do you think? I thought, as usual, the concept is so glaringly obvious. I could see how some people are like, well, like, I don't even need to read the book. Like, I get it. Like, who not have? Okay. To me, I thought I should probably read that book at least twice a year. And I don't know that I learned a ton new, but <laughs> meditating on it again was so helpful for me. So I think, you know, it's just like, um, it's a timeless concept. I thought it was well-written. I thought it was interesting. I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, like I would have loved it more, more Dan Sullivan. I would have loved it here, but I guess that was like, you know, kind of the clever concept. It's like Dan didn't write it. So I don't yeah, know. that was my vibe. What do you think? That's funny. Um, yeah, I didn't love it to be honest. Um, I, but to be fair, it, I didn't, it didn't make past the 20%. 20% rule where I only listen to the first to read the first 20% of a book and then unless yeah. it fires me up. I, and, but I've heard good reviews. So I wonder if maybe I need to, I should revisit it, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was like biased. Cause I kind of feel like I know it. I don't know. It's interesting. I wanted to hear your take, but so, you, but, but you're just talking like style and delivery, not not any question on the su- the, the the substance of the concept, right? Yeah, and maybe it was just like the day, like anytime a book starts out with like a Michael Jordan, like 
throwback reference like he was like you know i don't know i i feel bad even saying that because i love dan hardy and i love dan so i wouldn't want to throw like if they were in the room i wouldn't say that so i feel bad even saying that but um not to throw shade but um yeah and then i gave it a little more time and then i don't know it just didn't grab me like right off the bat so it's all good man it's all contextual it's like it's where you're at but i will say i love getting to reread books uh, Greg Crabtree's book I've read probably four or five times now I'll continue to read that every year so I like going back to like stupid basic concepts that for whatever reason I am not fully implementing and just like sitting with it again so that's what I felt yeah. like it was for who not how yeah so I want to see what you think about this one of the things back to our you know can conditioning yourself to like be able to live more deeply in the moment. Mm -hmm. One of the things is that I'm working on is only doing one thing at a time. Mm. Single piece and flow. That's what that's called, baby, by the way. The is lead it? Manufacturing. Single piece <laughs> flow. Yeah. Single piece flow. I love it. Okay. So single piece flow, like on a project level, hundred percent, but like even, even, like anything. So for instance, I usually listen to music or not music, uh, like books while I like get ready uh, in the morning. Hmm. And like, I stopped doing that the last like week or and a half because that's just me like distracting myself from like being present and like brushing my teeth. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so relatable. Oh, it's so relatable. And I think you've heard me say like back in the day, um, maybe in one of my podcasts or something back in the day was like, I always feel like I have to be listening to like an audio book or something. And is that just like a distraction? And so I don't like Amazon anyway. I don't like like the company. And so I'm like, all right, maybe that will be the last piece of Amazon I like get rid of is audible, but, uh, but I don't know in the car, I think is a beautiful time to listen to books. But like right now I'm trying to not like, yeah, I'm trying to not because Tit, Tit Van Hut says stillness is like, is it's easy to come into stillness. You just need to focus on one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. So like your breath, like it, it, and that's enlightenment. Enlightenment's not some thing out in the future. It's like, it's just one thing at a time. So, you know, it's something I'm, I'm meditating on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not something external. Hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, still on like the compulsive reading train, if I'm being honest. Like, um, I do try and check myself when I'm with my kids. Like, if I'm on a walk, you know? Yeah. Um, I try to not do that. Not always successful. But I don't know, dude. It's just like, it's an, it really is. It's like my sports is, I guess what I would say. That's like part of it, right? Like some people like they, they're doing fantasy league, like they know what's going on pro college, whatever. I don't, but I can tell you, like, I've already read like three or four books this year and it's just, yeah. like, I'm really into it. I'm going through autobiography of Malcolm X right now, read by uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Fantastic. Super enjoyable. I read Dune before that i don't know like do you feel is that any different and do you do 
Like what's the closest that you get to like straight up pleasure reads, no concept that this could have any positive impact professionally. <laughs> like, do you do any of that? <laughs> oh, that sounds so sexy to me, but no, I don't. Um, I've tried it. Like I'll try one a year and then Same usually, here, like, man. it usually goes, it doesn't go well, but um, it brings me back to the thing Byron Katie says, like no two people live in the same world. It's like, it's all just what your conception of the thing is. So like nobody listening, please don't adopt my like, Oh, listening to an audiobook is a bad thing. Like that's not the yeah, goal. Like, for sure. it's, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And I'm not trying to say it is. It's just for me personally, it's something I'm experimenting with. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. What a great like hobby to have is like taking books in and having you know, that as a big part of your life, it's, it's great, but, but no, I'm trying to do more actual reading though. Like reading the actual book. I um, reserve that for like, like my like really important reads. If something's like really important, I, I go physical. <clears throat> Otherwise it's probably like, like, I don't know, one in one in five for me. It's definitely like dramatically slower for me. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Uh, someone recommended a John Steinbeck book recently and I was like, so cl- I got it on my list. I'm like, I might get that <laughs> of the cannery or something. <laughs> it's like about like an old fishing village. I'm like, <laughs> Oh dude, that would be rad if I could get into that. <laughs> but you know why? Only why? Because what that would mean about me, Jordan. Yeah, that mean, exactly. That would mean that I'm a very like mellow person and that my ego loves that. Like, so that I that ideal of myself would be super cool because then I could just like be this person who doesn't read like who reads for fun, you know. So it's all just BS in the mind. Uh, oh, I thought it was like hesitation because like I don't like, <laughs> I don't I don't like that ego identification. Like I feel like every December I flirt with the possibility of um of like renting a gaming console. <laughs> yeah. I, did Did you grow up like playing Nintendo or any of that yeah. stuff? Yeah, totally. So I love that growing up, played Xbox through college and every year, like I'll flip with the concept and I think like, oh man, like that would be so fun. And I don't ever actually end up doing it. And, and not that it would be a great idea. I mean, it would be whatever, it would be fine. But like a, a big part of it is just like the, the identity baggage I would have around like being someone that's playing video games like however I'm wired whatever I was raised on and whatever impressions came into my brain the identity of being someone you know a grown man that plays video games like it just yeah can't, can't get there I've got like a mental block yeah isn't that weird it's like we do things because of what it will mean about us yes yeah is it to ourselves or to other people like Cause that seems like a good thing to avoid on the surface, but if it's solely about what it would mean, I don't know, maybe you could just enjoy like a video game here or there, but then you got to look at where your, where your attention is, right? It's like attention is everything. That's leadership, dude. That is leadership is attention, man. I'm so persuaded. It's just like, what do you choose to focus on? What do you prioritize? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the one I went back through. I bought Darren Hardy's, uh, insane productivity and like ludicrous like 
three, four years back. It's like an mm-hmm. online course. And the first time through, I went in the in-person. It was September 29th, 2015 or 16. And that changed my life. I got that course. I went back through it a few weeks ago on two times speed, went through like a 12 week course in like three weeks and got one thing out of it. And it was basically like, watch where your attention is. Like mm-hmm. attention is, and, and that was basically it. Like all the other stuff, like didn't appeal to me anymore for the mm-hmm. most part. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, something I'm focusing on. Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting to think about like the evolution of, Dan Sullivan talks about the 10x concept, like 10xing forward, which of course everybody wants to do. But like when you when you 10x backward, like how long has it been since you 10x from a previous reference point? <clears throat> that I find is difficult to maintain the buy-in and belief that I'm going to be able to do that like multiple times again. I, I go after it and I pursue it, um, but it's easy to plateau in my experience. Like it's easy to feel like man, like I've come so far, like I'm really here as opposed to looking at myself and being like, there is a future version of yourself that looks at your current self and thinks like, man, like that guy had so much to learn, so much to grow. I'm so attracted to that idea, but maintaining that presence of mind and like really believing that can actually be um, a challenge. And I think there's a lot of value in that. That video you sent about time, I watched the first like five, 10 minutes. I think it was like a half hour video. What was your biggest takeaway from that video? Uh, That we are a poor judge of reality and that we have a hard time sorting out fact from fiction in our own brain. And I think like a book reference here would be Nassim Taleb, Fooled by Randomness, which makes an even better uh, case for this that a lot of, the, the things that we see as being working are survivor bias, that we over-ascribe what is actually random as being something that's skill-based, et cetera. It was just kind of riffing on that whole, that whole idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's really funny how that, how that works, how <laughs> something, you know, how time just seems to move depending on you know, how immersed you are, how interested you are in the thing or or the different, you know, ways he chopped it up. It it got a little, uh, I don't know, got a little out there for me for a minute, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I thought was good about. Like, here's a reference point. How long have you and I known each other? I'll come up with a number. You come up with a number. I've known you for... I'm going to say without even like trying to like date it, I'd say we've known each other for about six years. That's what I was going to say. About six years. Okay. So in that span, my, if I think about everything that's happened, like the most memorable memory, most memorable memory, um, I've got it in my mind. Mine was when you hosted that mastermind in San Diego. And at the end of the day, you, you had a pitch for a paid mastermind. And I watched you like (laughs) physically start sweating. (laughs) I was like, my heart was just like so open and attracted. I was like, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) What about, what about you? 
what was your most meaningful memory? What sticks out in your mind and like our relationship over a six year period? The first thing that comes to mind is being in Mexico and just being in the pool. Mm, wow. I don't remember exactly what we talked about. I think I asked you something about like my website or something dumb, but like uh, we were just like kind of like treading water and it's just like, <laughs> it's like a really vivid memory. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That wouldn't have come up for me at all. And Greg Crabtree was there. Yes. And there was a lot of good walk. <laughs> yeah. So it's just an example. Like it can be kind of random what sticks out and what gets highlighted in the mind and in the memory. I mean, the memory is just a fuzzy, very relative thing. So. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. 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 All right, man. This is a pleasure. As always, I got a full day. I'm going to bring my my A game to today. I'm going to presence myself. And I just, uh, I always love being on the, the phone and jamming out with you, man. I'm wishing you the best for you and your family for the next month. You too, man. Tell everyone hi and uh, have a good one. All right. Well, hey, I hope we see each other in person sometime soon, man. Let's figure it out. All right. Peace. Bye.